Got it. This morning, as we continue in James, I'm going to be coming from James 4, 1 through 12. We're still continuing the uh, thought of faith that works. And uh, this morning, the title of my sermon will be The Faith Fight. Um, as we reflect even back the last couple of weeks on, I think, uh, uh, words, what, what was yours, uh, Brother Vance, weight, the weight of words, isn't that what it was? And uh, I, I can't even remember the title of mine from last week, it was something about wisdom, what was, anybody remember? I don't either, I can't remember what it was, that's sad, ain't it? Does anybody, does anybody remember? Works of wisdom. You're right. That's what it was, and you wasn't even here. Yeah. This is a podcast. Oh boy! Can you understand the hillbilly accent in the podcast? Oh, yeah. Good deal. Amen. Well, this week we're going to mix hillbilly with a little nasally cold kind of stuff. There you go. But anyway, as we continue with that thought of of you know the the weight of words and the works of wisdom. We go into this this week as I titled it the faith fight and 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 the, all this stuff keeps playing together and, and in a sense we'll probably even cover some ground that we've covered before and and you know I've said this before too I don't really think we can be too repetitious as Christians in in hearing what God's word. I mean, if James felt it was necessary to be repetitious in some of the things he was saying, then I feel like it's worthy of being repetitious up here in the pulpit. And I'll tell you why. I know from my own perspective, I need the repetition because I'm a hard case. I need to be reminded constantly, you know, of different things about, about my character and what it should be and how I should represent Christ. So, so, We'll cover some different things without a doubt, but but without a doubt, a lot of it goes back and touches on, today's we'll touch on, words and wisdom. And, and it puts those things together and, and it gives us uh, 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 how we should, as Christians, behave. Uh, so if you would, and if you're there at James 4, stand with me, and we will read verses 1 through 12. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and 
purify your hearts and be double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come before you, God, this morning, humbly, before an almighty God, uh, God, just knowing that um, we are what we are by your grace and only by your grace. Uh, Father, I just pray that um, we would... Uh, humbly submit ourselves to you this morning and to what your word has to say to us and God knowing that uh, it applies to each and every one of us that each one of us in here needs your word applied to us just as much as the next person does and God there is where we begin to have problems is when we think we do not stand in need of your word as much as another person does so God I just pray that you got us this morning may our uh, hearts be ready to hear your word, and God, that we would respond to it appropriately. God, we pray these things and ask them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, he begins by asking a question about a problem within the church. And, and he says, he, he says the problem apparently that's going on is there's fighting. There's fightings within the church, and, 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 he, and he says, he answers his own questions. He says, where, because it's rhetorical, he says, where do these wars and fights come from? Don't they come from this, the lusts that war in your members? You know, lust is the desire to fulfill the flesh. And that's, for me and you, that what it always is, it's the desire to fulfill self, to, to f- fulfill my own uh, desires. It, it, what it does is it takes nothing of anybody else. It just centers upon me. And this particular word here, lust, uh, actually has a uh, the same kind of way that me and you would think of lust. Generally, when we hear the word lust, we think sexual. But it's actually goes beyond that. It's uh, it's 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 anything that is sensual. Okay. Now, even that word there, we tend to want to think of it in that sort of way, in a sexual sort of way. But, but sensual is anything that pleases the flesh. That's sensual. And that's what this word lust here alludes to. So, so the first thing we see in this verse as he answers the question is, is that the fightings that are happening within a church will, will, will always boil down to selfishness. The desire to fulfill one's own pleasure. Now it's just crazy still yet, and I touched on this a little bit last week, that 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 somebody or some people or some groups, as it usually becomes, uh, as we said last week, that, that, that there's factions among us. You know, churches will end up seeing little groups trying to get their way versus we try to recruit people. Uh, you know, a guy that... that, that, that takes it upon himself to think that he's he knows what's best and, and so he tries to get people to follow along with him. And, and, and generally what that means is he's trying to get their vote, you know? 
so that he can accomplish what he wants to accomplish within, within the framework uh, of a body of believers. I've always thought that's just the strangest thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I probably have I probably have selfishly wanted things within the church uh, that didn't matter that much. But boy, I would never go to the extreme of trying to recruit people to follow me along in, in, in that thought. But but anyway, that that that's that's what we're talking about here today. And make no mistake about it, what James is covering here is lust. That's causing fights within a body of believers. He's not talking about fighting with people outside the church. He's talking about fightings inside the church. And, and, and you all know just as well as I do, we have plenty of that. I mean, that's part of the reason we got so many churches anymore. It's because people simply refuse to get along. If you won't do it my way, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just leave here and I'll start another church. I've, I mean, preachers do it. And I just, I'm sorry, folks. I don't think that's the answer. The only reason that would ever be the answer is if the church that you're belonging to is, is, is becoming or somehow has become anti-Christ. Now, that's a different story. But here's the problem. Here's the problem, James says. Ye lust and have not. Now, I want to bring this point, make this point very clear. This word lust is a different word in the Hebrew. That I said Hebrew, not Hebrew, it's Greek. It's a different word in the Greek than the first word lust. This word lust here is more akin to covet. You want what somebody else has. You want what somebody else has. And, and, and you covet other people's stuff. But he says you, 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 you lust and you have not. And you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. In other words, you do everything you possibly can. You kill. And, and when he says kill, if you go down to verses uh, uh, 11 and 12, to, that's exactly what he, he kind of touches on that again. You assassinate somebody's character to try to get what you want. You ever seen somebody in church assassinate somebody's character? You tell, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I don't care how bad a Christian has fallen and I really don't think that's necessarily the case in what James is dealing with here. But I don't care if he's a brother or sister in Christ especially if he's a brother or sister in Christ, we never have a reason to assassinate the family. Ever. Ever. Now, I'll just go one step further. Honestly, as Christians, we never have the right to assassinate people's character. Now, I'm not saying that we don't distance ourselves from certain people and all that, but, but there's nothing loving about assassinating somebody's character whether they're a brother or sister or whether they're from outside the, uh, the uh, congregation, well, not just outside the congregation, but lost. But, but, but we never have the right to assassinate somebody's character. And, and he touches on that in, in verses, let's speak not evil one of another. And, and when you go back up to, to the second verse, he says where he says, 
ye kill and desire to have. And I think that's exactly what he's talking about. You, you assassinate someone's character to try to get people to quit following them so they'll follow you. And he says, but the problem is, is you're still not getting what you want. Do you see that? You still do not get what you want. And, and, he can, and he'll continue to drive this point home. You don't get your way uh, even though you're doing these terrible things. You're still not getting your way. So, so, so you assassinate people's character. You covet what they have and you want it, but you still can't have it. And, and, and if you look at your... If you look at your bulletin and you're following along, that's the first thing in the bad fight is, is, is we covet others' possessions. Covet others' possessions. Now, you know, let me say this, and especially within the church, I've seen this. Well, I tell you what, I've seen it outside of church too. I, I've seen people at work. I'll say, possessions don't necessarily mean material. I'm going to say the best word probably is talent, maybe. Or positions. People covet talents and positions. They're jealous. They become envious of, position, of positions and talents. Uh, I've seen people so envious of a supervisor's job at work that they will stop at nothing to get it. And the, and the thing that blows me away about more neat thing, and, and y'all probably see it and people can attest to it, is they'll get that job and they'll make less money. They'll make less money, but they got the position, the prestige. You know? I am supervisor. I tell people what to do. That's what, I mean, that's what they covet. You know? Well, folks, it happens within the church too. Hey, I, I'm going to tell you something. I've listened to preachers and speakers and I've been envious. And can I tell you, that's sin. And you know, I remember a guy at the seminar, a preacher at a seminar one time, he said, folks, he said, it don't matter how good you are. He said, I can go to the internet and I can find you preachers that are 10 times better than any of us. <laughs> I mean, they're around the corner. You know, it's, it, the, the point is, is being satisfied within the talents that God has given us. Whatever that may be. We, we, it, we've got no room to be envious of each other and, and we'll touch on that a little bit here, here in a second, a little bit more. But, but again, as we talk about all this, is as you covet what other people have, as you covet their possessions, the result is you continue to cause more fights and more quarrels. Amen. That. Th that's all you're going to have. You're not going to have peace. You're, you're not going to have the love. You're, you're, you're not going to have the growth. You're, you're, you're not going to be leading people to Christ. You won't have the energy to because all your energy is going to be spent fighting each other. The bottom line for a Christian, and pay attention to this because this is important, because this is the point, is we're talking about Christians here. But the bottom line for a Christian is, is your selfish motives will not get you what you want. You know, you think about it. What are we always, what, what do selfish motives really, really, in the end, really do? They, they exalt self. They exalt self. In other words, 
selfish motives, we're really trying to lift ourselves up. And, and I mean, I don't have to tell anybody here, and we'll touch on this a little bit again later. But self is not who we need to be lifting up. That, that's not going to accomplish our purpose in this very temporary life. James moves on and he says, and, and this is in that same thought process now of being selfish, of having selfish motives, and he says you have not because you don't ask. So he's starting to touch on something here now. You're going about this all wrong. You're, you're, you're selfish and you're being selfishly motivated and, and you're doing, you're undercutting people and you're doing all these things. He says, but it's all wrong. If you want these things, you should ask. Amen. Well, who should you ask? He says, obviously, ask God. But, but then look at what he says. You ask and receive not. Why? Because you ask amiss. In other words, you have the wrong motives. When you're praying to God even, your problem is, is you're still asking God for these same things. But you're asking for them for the wrong reasons. I mean, it's not that God won't bless you monetarily even. But He's not going to do it if He knows your motives are selfish. You know, Amen. folks, we can't hide our heart from God. We can ask, and I'll know, and God will know, whether my motives are pure or not. Amen. And you can tell by, why, by what James is saying here is that it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily what you're asking for is so much wrong as it is the motives behind why you're asking for it. Yeah. I mean, what if, what if, your ministry was suffering because your old car was broken down and you didn't have means and, and you needed a new car or you needed a different car or a more reliable car. Is it wrong to go to God and ask for a car? No, it is not. It is absolutely not. Now, whether God gives you one or not is up to Him. But what I'm saying is, is if your motive is pure, what James says, if it's truly pure and you truly need one, it seems to me that you're probably going to have that prayer answered some sort of way. But if your motives are selfish, forget it. God is not going to allow a Christian to exalt himself and get by with it. It won't happen. Do I think that a non-believer can accomplish that? Yeah, I do but I don't believe a believer can. I believe he can try. I believe it can, I believe he could probably make a little progress here and there where it seems like maybe he is, but ultimately he's not. And ultimately he's never going to fulfill within him what he's really trying to fulfill. And he's trying to fulfill the joy of salvation and the joy of that relationship with God with sensual things, with, with the lust of the flesh. I'm getting a little ahead of myself here and I, I missed that other one. If you didn't catch it, the, the other point, you covet others' possession, there's character assassination involved and it results in fights or quarrels among believers. That's the answer to all of yours right there. And uh, I know I get to going here and I kind of miss, miss those spots every once in a while. 
So if you miss them in all my preaching, I'll try to help you out. But what we want to, but what we want to remember here above all is the motivation. The motivation behind it that causes the fights and quarrels. It's me wanting what I want for my own good, not caring about you at all. We're jealous, we're envious of what others have, so we covet them. And, and again, I'll say it, it may not be material, it may be a position, you, you, you may be jealous of some teacher, you may be jealous of the song leader, you may be, I, I don't know, you may be jealous of the ushers because nobody gets to see you stand up and take up the offering. And now I'm just saying, there's so many things we can find to be envious of. And we will if we're not careful. Look at what, look at what James calls them, verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. Now, many times, and rightfully so, we're given the example of marriage. The marriage between man and woman and the example of our relationship with God. Well, it says, you know, the Bible, New Testament continually says that that the church is the bride of Christ. So why are you an adulteress? Because you're cheating on God. I mean, that's just what that means. It means you're stepping out. Now you think about that within a marriage. Now how, how intimate is my relationship with my wife going to be if she knows, even if I'm not, even if I'm not, Cheating on her in the aspect of, of a uh, fleshly relationship, even if it's just what we generally consider not cheating, but even if it's just having the wrong kind of conversations with another woman or anything of that nature. And if she knows about it, how good do you think our relationship's going to be? It's not going to be very good. She may hang in there and try to save the marriage, but at that point in time, that relationship is not going to be good. I can't be intimate with one woman and be intimate with another woman at the same time. One of them relationships has got to suffer. And that's what he, that's what he, that's what he tells us here. You're, you're cheating on God. You're, you're cheating on God, and, and, and that's why that's why you're not getting what you want. You, you're, you're, your motives are wrong, and, and you're stepping out on God, and you're trying to do all this your own way. Remember this. Having an intimate relationship with the world means you cannot be intimate with God. James tells us here, do you not know friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. That's pretty strong. But, but really the, the, the fact is, is every time we sin, it separates us. It's, it severs, it hurts that relationship with God. And there's no two ways about it. And and. and you, you take one sin and then you take another sin 
And then you end up living in sin. And before you know it, you're so far away from God, you don't even know what happened. Amen. You cannot be friends with the world. And, and listen, we all sin, we, we fall short. This is no, no question. James is talking about living in a sin. Living in this sinful lifestyle. You're going to be friends with the world. You're going to be an enemy to God. Folks, you know, in verses in the Old Testament, there's more than one place where it tells us this. Our God is a jealous God. And here's the thing. Just We'll go back to marriage again. Remember, I want to keep touching on this. James is talking to saved people. When you accept Christ, just like in a marriage, you made a commitment to God. And God made a commitment to you. God made a commitment. And, and here's the thing about this relationship. God's commitment will be upheld to the utmost. Everything He said He will do, He will do. When He said yes in this relationship, He knew that you were going to be the one to fail. Okay? He knew that. He's not asking us to not sin per se because we're all sinners. He's asking us not to live in that lifestyle of sin. I'll go back to what, what Brother Vance said, that, that, that just like with our words, our speech, and just like the kind of wisdom that we display, what, what, what should be the norm for us is a lifestyle, is a, is a speech pattern that says we're different from the rest of the world. I mean, that we do our utmost not to cheat on God. I think, I think my wife does her utmost not to cheat on me. But I do realize there's guys out there, I know there's not many, but there's guys out there better looking at me. And, and so I understand when she sees another guy that's better looking than me, and she, she recognizes that. You know? But I think she does her utmost to, to keep this relationship the way it is. I, 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 bet, I bet she does a much better job at it than I do. She already knows I don't need to watch a TV show with Jennifer Aniston on it. It's a known fact, is it not? But I'm just making the point clear of, 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 of the cheating aspect of it, you know. Yeah, do I think Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston is, is a good-looking woman? I do. I can already tell you what I know about Jennifer Aniston. I'm really glad I'm married to Angie Swahart. You, you know what I'm saying? Amen. I mean, I, I know enough already that, 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 that well, for, first of all, do I think my wife is as pretty as Jennifer? I do. I really do. I, Jennifer don't have gray hair yet, I don't think. But, um, I got to stop digging right now, don't I? Going the wrong way here. But, you know, my point is, is, is that we, you know, we, we, can, we can 
we can have thoughts that are sinful, but boy, we need not let that be a pattern. If I start letting my uh, a sinful thought be a pattern, it won't be long until it turns into sin. And I, you know, when I sit here and say that, we'll, we'll be touching on this in James again. But, but at any rate, <clears throat> I want to move on to the good fight. He finishes his admonition, when, uh, James does, with this. He says, he says, Do you think, in verse 5, the Scripture saith in vain, the Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth in envy. He's really, right there, he's really still talking about the last verses. And, and it's, not a, it's not really a complete uh, Scripture quote. Uh, it's definitely a scriptural idea. James isn't, what I'm saying is, is James is not... Uh, He's not repeating any particular verse, but we know because we're sinners that the spirit, the, the, the fleshly spirit within us dwelleth uh, in, in us. It lusts to envy. It lusts after that. You know, that's, that's just a normal fleshly desire. He says, but he, being God, giveth more grace. He resists the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. Well, these people, I mean, what, 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 what's driving you, what's driving a person to cause these kind of fights and stuff? It's pride. Again, I said it's exalting, it's trying to exalt oneself. So that, that's the issue is, is pride. Pride is a problem here. Uh, there's no humbleness. But God gives more grace, he says. So, so what's that mean? He says, submit yourselves then to God. Well, what's then mean? Then points back to what he said. Submit then to God. Well, you submit to God because he gives more grace. In other words, because of the grace God's given you and because that grace is what will enable you to do these things, submit yourselves to God. So, so that's in the good fight. That's the first part. Submit to God. Hey, and because He gives more grace, the next point is resist the devil. Amen. Now listen. Submit to God and resist the devil. Right there, folks, is the faith fight. Your faith is in a fight every day. And the more you try to live for God, the greater that fight will be. Amen. It, it, it won't get easier. So what do you do? God's grace is greater. You just depend all the more on God's grace. And since, since God gives more grace, come near to Him. He's telling us all these things, everything He says... Submit then to God. And he continues on. He continues on after that then because of the grace of God. Because of the grace of God, come near to Him. Because of the grace of God, clean up your act. Inside and out. That's what he says in verse uh, 8. Uh, draw nigh to God. And He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. And purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Double-minded means I say I'm a Christian, but I'm not doing anything that looks like a Christian. Okay? But wash your hands. And 
Purify your heart. He, he's saying, clean yourself up inside now. Well, we're going to go back to this whole thing of, of showing my faith by my works. My works are not my faith. They don't give me my faith. It just shows and proves my faith. So, so if I purify my heart, then I can cleanse my hands. Does that make sense? If my heart is pure, it will show forth on the outside. Clean it. We talked about this even a little bit in Sunday school this morning. We don't do good works so God will be happy with us. We do good works because God gives us more grace. Amen. That's where the good works come from. God can't be any happier with me in Christ. I mean, that's an amazing thought, folks, but it's the truth. So I said, submit to God, resist the devil. See there in the good fight, if you didn't catch that, is the result of God's grace. To submit to the devil, I mean to submit to the devil. <laughs> to submit to God and resist the devil only comes by God's grace, by the power of God's grace, because he gives more grace. In other words, he gives you the ability to do this. No, you don't have the ability to do this on your own. The only way you're going to do it is to submit to God, resist the devil, watch the devil flee from you. That's a promise, folks. It says it right there. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Because to resist the devil, what's that mean? That means you're counting on the Holy Spirit within you. Satan ain't going to have nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. He can't handle him. He's got no power over the Holy Spirit. he got power over the spirit of flesh, but you don't have no power over the Holy Spirit. So listen, all of this leads us to this last thing, verse 9, be afflicted and mourn and weep, let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to heaviness. Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. All of this, all of this is a description of repentance. Repent. See, this is where our problems begin. We sin. You know, Brother Ken thinks he's a good Christian because he flies over to Honduras and helps those people. But I've seen Brother Ken you know, you do that, and guess what you do next? You go talk about somebody else. Okay, so now we got two sins. Well, guess what you do next? That was easy enough. Let me go talk about somebody else. Well, that was easy enough. Let me go. Well, what I'm saying is, is all these sins are piling up, and guess what you're not doing? You're not repenting. And, and, and it, get, it, it gets out of control, folks. I'm telling you. It gets out of control. It's, it's like a disease, man. It's like once you keep sinning, it, it, it's like it's harder and harder to stop. It's harder and harder to humble yourself. It's harder and harder to repent. What James is asking for is nothing new in the Bible. And we see it back 
in, in, in the Old Testament is godly sorrow. He's not talking about walking around with, with a frown on your face all the time as a Christian being all sorrowful. What he's talking about is, is having those moments of true repentance. Uh, what he's seeing within the church he knows what should be seen is some true repentance, some godly sorrow, some people down on their knees asking God to forgive them. God, I'm pathetic. How did I let myself get to this point? Oh God, with your grace, I can do better than that. I mean, tears. It's nothing to laugh about. Let, let your laughter be turned to sorrow. Mourn like you would losing a loved one. And you know that's that's pretty close to right because you know what sin is doing? It's causing us all to lose ourselves and loved ones. It should cause us to mourn. Sin should. We should be sick about our sin. In order to repent, that's the first thing that has to happen, right? You got to recognize your sin. That's the first one in C. You got to recognize your sin. You know, that's what we do a lot of times. I'll say that little tidbit about Tim, and it never really occurs to me that what I did was really sin. I mean, you know, I mean, you see how Tim walks around here, acting all. Holier than thou, you know, because he goes to Honduras and stuff. You know, and you convince yourself that, I mean, I didn't really mean, I mean, I like Tim. It's just how he, you know, don't assume you know somebody else's motives. And, and that's just, that's exactly what he's touching on in 11 and 12. I'm judging Tim. It's judgment. And you know what I'm saying when I do that? I'm better than Tim. So in, in a sense, I'm saying I'm above the law. It's what James says here. And, and, and I'm not touching on these verses a lot, but, but he also says there's only one lawgiver and there's only one person that can judge. Folks, it's serious ground when we do that. And we do it a lot. But, but, but that's the point of him talking about the repentance here. It is serious. You get on your knees and you repent of that sort of thing and you'll be less likely to do it again. I mean, that's what true godly sorrow does. It says, you know what? I ain't a bit better than Brother Tim. What, what am I thinking? That brother's just out there trying to lead people to Christ. Who am I to judge his motives? He may not be doing everything exactly the way I would do it, but that don't mean he's wrong. I don't know his heart. God does. Folks, all these acts, all these actions, they, 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 require, they require repentance. It, they require in B. They, they require godly sorrow, if you're looking, if you're writing it down. Godly sorrow. Godly repentance. However you want to say it. Being sorry for your sin. Being sorry that God had to go to the extreme that He had to even for your smallest, idiotiest, bittiest of sin. And look at this. Look at, look at uh, verse 10, and, 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 and we'll close with this. And let me, let me say this first. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, 
First of all, you will not repent. You will not submit to God. You will not resist the devil. You will not draw near to him. You will not be able to clean up your act inside and out if you don't humble yourself. Can't do it. Go back real quick to verse 6. The last part. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. All right, back to verse 10. And he shall lift you up. In other words, this is what honors God. And in that, God will lift you up too. You'll get what you want. You see what I'm saying? You're trying to lift yourself up. We're trying to, I'm trying to lift myself up. I can't do it. I can fight, quarrel. I can scratch and claw. And I'll never obtain what I want. Not as a Christian, I will not. But if I give it over to God, God will lift me up. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for exposing me to myself. And God, I know that I don't have the godly sorrow over sin like I should most of the time. And God, for that, I would ask forgiveness. God, I pray that even within the church here and myself, that you would just make our sins known to us, that we could bring them to you. Your word tells us that if we will bring them to you, if we will confess them, then you will forgive them. And God, we praise you because just as James' word says here, your grace is greater, and we praise you for that. God, if your grace isn't greater, I have no hope. But God, I believe you, and I believe your word, and I thank you for it. God, I just pray as a church we would uh, grow. I pray for Brother Vance, and I pray for his family, and I thank you for them, and I thank you for their ministry here already. God, they've been such a blessing, and and just guide them and guide their hearts as they lead. God, I pray you forgive us for we fail you. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember to pray for Brother Joe, please. <laughs>